0: Hi guys, welcome back to my steps of sobriety, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Please like and subscribe down there. Do it right now, then you don't forget about it later, uh, because I've got so many fantastic guests coming on, and these guests are like me going out there because these guests typically have been in the darkness. These guests have gone through hard times and, um, therefore appreciating the light so much. And, Today is no exception. I've got Justin Bryan with me. Justin is a is a man who has been in the darkness and he has written a book about it. He is a best-selling author. He is now a transformational coach. Talk about transformation himself. Talk about turning your life around. Proving that the past does not equal the future. This man has done it and therefore I'm so keen to talk to him today. So Justin, thank you so much for coming onto my show.
1: Hey, that was uh, an amazing, you know, introduction. I I really appreciate that. And you know what? It it was in the dark, uh, but I'm not there anymore. Um, But thank you very much. It's great to be here. It's great to connect with you. And uh, I look forward to our conversation.
0: (laughs) And me. And and Justin, it's, it's, it's so, so powerful what we do, isn't it? Because here we are, men, real men. And men don't talk about their emotions. Men have a cigarette, a whiskey, or whatever else uh, allows us to escape or fits the, the bloody picture at the time. Um, but here we are. We're doing the opposite. We are being vulnerable. We're showing humility, authenticity. Um, but that is typically something you learn the hard way. Um, how were you in the past? Who were you in the past when you tried to more escape your reality?
1: Well, you know what, I lived by the man up stigma. My internal dialogue, the way I spoke to myself was, man up, Justin, man up, you know what, they're going to work, man up, they don't feel like that, man up, you want to show your emotions? No, put that in the ground, man up. And that, that almost ended up taking my life. You know, I almost ended up doing that because I didn't feel like I was a man. You know, men are supposed to be tough. They're supposed to be strong. They're supposed to protect. You know, they're supposed to provide. And I didn't feel like I could do any of that. So I was like, why should I even be here? You know, so that man up stigma living by it, you know, Mm -hmm. it almost took my life.
0: But those kind of darkness uh, thoughts, they typically only come down the line. There is a time when we are young, when we are bulletproof. How were you as a teenager?
1: So that's the thing. You know, I, uh, growing up, I was very... Self conscious, I had low self esteem, low self worth, low self confidence. When I actually really shouldn't, you know, I was liked, I was athletic, I was got good grades in school, but I always wanted to be everybody else but me. You know, I was a late <laughs> bloomer coming up. Um <laughs> and I'd always compare myself to other people. So I, I was smaller growing up. I mean, now I'm like 6'3, 235, but I it took me a long time to get there. You know, I didn't hit puberty I didn't hit my growth spurt until grade 11 so I was shorter I was little God. you know and that took a toll on me so because of all those insecurities I had I would always act out I tried to be the funny man I tried to be liked and noticed by everybody that's because I felt less than everybody else now because of those insecurities I started making fun of myself but not only that to get laughs from people but not only that I started to believe them so I started to believe the things that I was saying about myself. You know, whenever I did something wrong or I'd be like, oh, these guys might think it's funny. I'd go out, Hey guys, I just did this to get a laugh. But then I started to believe, Hey, Justin, you're a failure. You know, Justin, you mess up a lot. And you know, and if, if someone poked fun at me, you know, I had a good friend group, but I was, I was made fun of a lot because I acted out, but they didn't, I don't think they were making fun of me to hurt me. They are just being kids and razzing each other. But I started to really believe what I said that I started to believe what they said. Now I took those emotions and I put them in a proverbial bag and I closed that bag up and I put it on my back and I walked through junior high, through high school, into my adulthood. You know, when that bag started to get heavy, I took it off and I opened it up. But instead of unpacking that bag, you know, I started to put guilt, shame, anger, (laughs) depression, suicide, alcohol, and drugs in that bag. I actually didn't drink much in high school. You know, it wasn't for me. Um, but uh, when I got out of high school and I started playing junior hockey, I really found what alcohol gave me. You know, I moved away to live with a billet and it started to give me self-esteem, it started to give me self-worth, so started to give me self-confidence. All, all right, well, I have all these things, that's perfect. So I started to drink, I went from barely drinking to an alcoholic very quick. You know, by the time I was 21 years old, I was I was drinking three, four, five times a week. by the time I'm 24 years old, I'm bartending downtown Vancouver, BC, Canada, in a big, beautiful city, right on the ocean view, full of nightclubs, and I'm bartending down there. Now, when I was bartending down there, there, there's essentially two things that really happened to me at 24 that really, I believe, put me on the trajectory that I took. So when I was bartending down there, I was a really good bartender. You know, I could get in, get out within 15, 20 minutes, uh, have my cash out done, everything stocked, everything wiped down, but I could do that only because I needed to get out for power, half hour, power hour, whatever you call it, drink as much as I could. And then I'd walk home and phone up dial a bottle so I could have more alcohol waiting for me when I got home. Now a bartender noticed this and he comes up to me and says, Justin, can I ask you something? I said, yeah, sure. He said, do you think you drink too much? And I looked at him and I said, "It's no way I drink too much. I'm young. I like to have fun. I'm in this big, beautiful city. There's no way. So I did what I did every single night. Closed up shop. Went out. Got as drunk as I could. Started walking home. And on the walk home, I found up a bottle so I have more alcohol waiting for me. But as I was walking across the Kemi Street Bridge that night, a thought rings through my head. And it says, Justin, do you drink too much? And again, I ignored it. No, there's no way I drink too much. I'm young. I like to have fun. I'm a bartender. I'm in this big, beautiful city. But all of a sudden, it, this thought rings through my head again. It says, Justin, are you an alcoholic? Well, I said this word for word. There's no way I'm an alcoholic. I go to work. I pay my bills. I am not a low life, And I am too smart <laughs> to be an alcoholic. So smart, in fact, that I graduated from alcohol abuse to drug abuse that same year at 24 I did cocaine for the very first time oh and I didn't remember the night but after the night my buddy phoned me and he said man man what a night he's like do you remember what we did I'm like no not at all he's like well he actually tried drugs and I was like oh really because I was never against me doing them or other people doing but I was always against me doing them But then he said something to me that you probably should never say to a person with my mindset. And he said, man, you were funny last night. Right then and there it clicked. I have alcohol confidence. I have drugs to be funny. You know, I got Michael's special juice from Space Jam. You know, one shot of this, one shot of that. And then I'm super Justin. Now, if you fast forward six months down the road, I moved back home and I'm managing at a nightclub. And I had to get a ride home that night because I lost my license for drinking and driving. And on the way home, me and a buddy started talking about the topic of depression, to where I looked at him and I said this. Depression is for the weak. Depression is an excuse. You got to man up, you got to go to work, and you got to pay your bills. You got to take your feelings and bury them down deep because we don't talk about it. Oh. so at 24 years old, I have two major problems. Substance abuse and my mental health. But at 24 years old, I was ignoring two major problems substance abuse, and my mental health. And boy, did it go on from there.
0: Mm. How were your parents? Um, Did they, I mean, all generations go through some hard times. How did your parents deal with hard times? How did they deal with their emotions?
1: Uh, Well, you know what, I've, I moved out, my mom and dad split up when I was eight years old. I, we didn't really know what was going on. Right. Uh, I remember coming home and I seen a poor sale sign in our front yard and they explained it, you know, mummies and daddies, they just, they don't always live together for the rest of their lives. So I went and lived with my mom and you know, she met a guy and I just wasn't a big fan of him. We didn't get along that great. So <laughs> at 12 years old, I went and lived with my father. Now my dad was, he was a good dad. He You know, he paid for everything. I was in sports but I didn't have a lot of guidance and I actually talked about this with him not too long ago when I was, cause you know, I've, I've done a lot of work in my life, you know, growth, personal development, but I've always kept counseling with me just in case I need to go back. And my counselor finally said to me, Justin, I don't think you got the love and connection. In fact, you didn't get the love and connection you needed as a child. And I was like, I'm not going to blame my, my parents for my decisions. He's like, no, you're, I'm not saying you blame them for anything, but you didn't get the love and connection you needed as a child. Mm-hmm. So then that actually opened up a conversation with both my parents. So I I went to them and said, hey, what do you think? This is what my counselor said. My mom's like, you know what? I knew the situation wasn't good for you, so I actually phoned your dad so you could go live with him. I didn't know that. I just thought it was my choice, but she actually knew that it wasn't. It wasn't good for me that she couldn't support me as much as she wanted to and as for my dad i found out you know he was an army brat he was out at 16 he witnessed his parents fight and you know his dad was an alcoholic as well and he said maybe he drowned he drowned his sorrows or his feelings in alcohol too like i didn't actually ever see my dad you know drunk much as a kid but you
0: know we didn't really hang
1: out or you know Do much together like he would take me to hockey and stuff like that but besides that i kind of did my own thing Mm -hmm. but he said justin i wish i would have picked you up more as a kid i wish i would have gave you more hugs and i wish i would have said i love you so that was good to hear because it 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 closed one door and opened up another to hey you know what what do they say in addiction connection is the opposite of addiction Right. So you're looking for something. You're searching for something. And I went searching my whole life, whether it was, you know, social media likes, whether it was Mm -hmm. substances, whether it was pornography, whether it was, you know, sugar, you know, online Mm -hmm. shopping, Mm -hmm. acting out, you know, to make people laugh, whatever I could to get that dopamine hit to feel to feel worth it. And I did that Mm -hmm. until not a very long time ago. Right. I've only been sober for four years, but even when I became sober, you know, I, I got that dopamine hit of, Hey, you know what, Putting out no content, you know, being an influencer where I don't want to be an influencer. I'd like to be influential, but I'm not a pod. I don't need pod tides or tide pods or whatever you call them. <laughs> I like to be influential, but I don't, I don't know. You look at it and say you're an influence, but I, 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 at the beginning I got caught up in that, you know, you need likes, you need likes, you need followers. And, you know if it took me it took me a bit to realize that too that you know i don't need that is everything i have is right around me and that becomes more when you start to be present right so growing up i had i had a lot of opportunity you know camping sports you know all the things but i didn't have that connection that i needed that guidance that i needed and you know, I kind of wasn't afraid to get into trouble. You know, I had good grades in school, but I got suspended. Um, and you know, I did some things and that I'm very fortunate to still be alive. Now we won't get into those things, but I wasn't I wasn't scared of anything at that point. You know, going from 24 to 28, I moved around a lot, I hung out with people I shouldn't have. I was I was using, I was drinking, I was, you know, getting fired from jobs, missing work, you know, hooking up with girls for self-worth and still looking for that connection. But how can you build connection when you're moving around and you're always, you're always drunk or high. Now I kept chasing that. And finally at 28, I moved back home and you know, I met a girl we were on and off again. And then one day, you know, we were, and then one day we broke up, right? You know, I, I couldn't get myself together. You know, she wasn't, she didn't want to be around my substance use. We still kept in touch and, you know, we were still close. We still loved each other, but it, it was hard for someone to love a person who was that deep into their substance use. But we ended up, you know, getting together on my birthday. And Three months after that, she, she texted me and says, Justin, we need to talk. So we get together and she looks at me, she says, Justin, I'm pregnant. No. And she's like, yeah, you can be in this child's life or not, but I'm having this baby. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's no, let's, let's get back together. Let's do this. I'm going to get, I'm going to get better. Not too long after that, I crashed a car, continue driving. And I was like, well, honey, you know what? I need to go to rehab. I got a child on the way, so I'm going to go to rehab. So I ended up going to rehab and I spent 35 days in a house full of 60 men. And I went to my classes, Worked out twice a day, ate a lot of food, (laughs) put on a lot of muscle. And the first thing I said when I got out of rehab was, I'm not done drinking forever. Well, you can probably guess what happened. Uh, One month after that, we have our son. Two months after that, I start drinking again, making bad decisions. Uh, And six months after that, my girlfriend probably had to make the toughest decision she'll ever have to make in her life and leave me with my kid at my lowest point. So off they went. And not only that, I was actually asked to take a leave of absence from work because of my substance use. So I have, I'm off of work. Now I, my son, my girlfriend, they're gone. My, I start to get suicidal. I mean, I actually asked for help, started to ask for help at 28, but that was the start of my suicidal thoughts. So they started to get deeper. You know, I'm very fortunate that I woke up one night, or I woke up one morning and I pulled back the sheets, there was blood, blood on the sheets, there was a knife in my bed, and I looked down and my wrists were cut. I don't remember doing it, I blacked out. I remember the, the feeling I had the night before, like, I just want this to be over. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at a pub, but I didn't wanna be there. I was around friends, people that loved me. I'm like, I don't wanna be here. So I told my mom, she come and pick me up and she took me home and the next day she, she's like, Justin you were talking pretty funny last night and she had no idea but when I looked at that I never told anybody what I did was I got those you know rubber bracelets that everybody wears no. put those on and I got a cover up and I wore makeup on my wrists so nobody would know but finally I started to go back to work and I couldn't keep it up you know I kept missing work because of substance use and I was I to take a leave of absence again. So I ended up going back to rehab. But this one, when I went back to rehab, I went with the power of why. Now, I was very fortunate around that time I started to listen to motivational speaking. And I had no idea who I was listening to at the time, but there were guys like um, Trent Shelton, Inky Johnson, uh, Eric Thomas, and Les Brown. Now, these guys are like world-renowned speakers. I had no clue who they were at the time. I was just watching YouTube videos. And then was something common. and I was find your why. So I started to ask myself, Justin, what, what is your why? What is your why that's going to drive you, motivate you to get better? What's your why that's going to pick you up when you fall down? What is your why that's going to give you life? And I started to look at my little boy again and I started to, you know, reframe my thoughts because I really thought that if I ended it, he could have a better dad. I'm like, he's going to have a better dad if I end it. So I started to reframe those thoughts. And well, what if I get better for him? You know, if I get better for him, I get better for me. And if I get better for me, I can actually help other people. So with that, I made my son my why. Now, a lot of people are gonna say, you have to do it for yourself. You gotta do it for yourself. And yeah, you should do it for yourself. But if you can't, you find a why, grab a hold of it, and you take it with you everywhere. Because I can guarantee, when you make something your why, like I made it my son, still came back on me. I got better for him, so eventually I got better for me. So I went back to rehab with the power of why. And when I got to rehab, instead of worrying about the substance, I said, Justin, why do you drink? I'm depressed. Why are you depressed? Low self-esteem, low self-worth, low self-confidence. Why do you have that? Well, I didn't learn how to deal with my operating system, my mental health. So with that, I went back to rehab and you know, they start to teach us the how, like gratitude, journaling, um, you know, exercise, how, you know, this direct core. Diet, there's a direct correlation to your gut health and your mental health. No, but you know on my first days in rehab, I still can't believe this. We were allowed to go for a walk as a group, and we walk around the strip mall, and I have to notice a liquor store right beside it. So we're about 100 meters away from this rehab center. But on the sign outside the the re or the liquor store, it said in big block letters spelled perfectly correct, B C Y is cheaper than therapy. BCYSG, I looked at the 20 other guys in that group and said, Hey, is anyone have 20 bucks? I'll solve all their problems. Now, I could have believed they had this sign outside a rehab center, but what it is, you deal with what you have to deal with. While you're changing there, the world's going to stay the same. There's going to be signs like that everywhere. But they taught us about the how. But one of the biggest things that I learned in rehab, and that I actually learned in life coaching courses as well, was the power of acceptance and forgiveness and how acceptance and forgiveness is actually for you. Now there's going to be things in your life, there's going to be events, um experiences, there's going to be people that hurt you. But you're going to have to accept it. And you have to doesn't mean you have to like it, but you're going to have to accept that it truly happened. Like this is my reality, this actually happened. Mm-hmm. And you have to accept it because then you can forgive it. Now, if you don't accept it, you can't forgive it. And if you don't forgive it, you can't create a future by living in your past. Now, the thing about forgiveness is, is if it's a person that hurts you, you actually don't have to tell them to their face. You don't have to go up to that person and be like, hey, you know what? Uh, I forgive you for, for doing that to me. No, I know you didn't mean to. Whatever. You can. That might, might help you but you don't have to forgive them to their face. You just have to forgive them for you. You got to go through that whole process in your mind. In rehab, we did that. We sat at a chair, we had the lights off, our eyes closed, and we went through a visualization technique where we forgave that person that us. Now, one of the toughest things, though, that you may ever have to do with acceptance and forgiveness is accept what you did. And then you're gonna have to forgive yourself. It took me until i'm thirty eight now uh thirty was it thirty eight? yeah, it was four or five months ago to finally completely forgive myself for everything that I've done realizing that 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 was a different me, I guess you know I still i I find that. That part where people are like, "That wasn't me. That wasn't me." Well, it actually, was you. Mm-hmm. You were there. You made the choice. So I had to accept that part that I made a bad or a poor decision, and right? I might have been influenced by alcohol, but that still was essentially still was me. So I know when people say that wasn't me, it's well, it actually was you. So I mm-hmm. I, I grapple with that one even though because you know substances can alter your mind, alter your state, right? So I had to accept a lot of things and then I had to forgive myself, which was, which was hard, but I was finally able to do that. Now, when I got out of rehab for the second time, I was doing good, right? And then I went to sell cars. Now, you don't want to sell cars when you have social anxiety. So I was actually been diagnosed with <laughs> clinical depression, <laughs> which is a depression that lasts longer than two weeks at a time or major depression, what they call it. I have social and general anxiety, I have ADHD, right? and i'm like i need to go sell some cars. Well, that didn't work out well for me. Like i had to talk with people that you know, they just want to try to haggle you down. They want the best deal and i'm like, "Can you just buy the car?" Like i didn't want to be there. And then after 3 months, i hit that pink cloud again of being out of rehab and i had my son. And i walked upstairs, gave him to mom and said, "Mom, you need to take him." I didn't know what to do to Get rid of that anger that I had. You know, I stopped doing my coping mechanisms. I stopped the gratitude. I stopped the journaling. And I went right back to old habits because I knew that the old habits worked. I knew once I had that alcohol in my hand, I would calm down. Once I had that alcohol beside me, once I was walking to the store to get it, I would be in a better mood. And I started drinking again. And then i a month after that, I, by New Year's, I ended up using drugs again, uh, phoning, getting really drunk, phoning my boss the next morning. I don't remember talking to him and quitting my job. And then I found myself on January 4th, 2019, sitting in my basement suite alone with the shades drawn, super dark, looking around my basement suite, looking at my kids toys in the corner looking at all those pictures thinking Justin you have two options here you can either get help or you can end it and if you end it your son is going to grow up without his biological dad so with that I actually phoned my mom and said mom can you take me to the hospital so she came picked me up took me to the hospital and with my Dad to my left, me, my mom in front of me, a counselor to the right. I finally admitted out loud that I had a plan and that plan was to end it. If I was going to continue to feel the way that I did, I was going to end it. Now, by saying those words, you know, just letting people know my truth took half the weight off because my doctor would be like, Justin, are you suicidal? My counselor, Justin, are you suicidal? And I would just look at them in their eyes and I'd lie. No. No, man. And I remember like being around friends thinking, I wish you knew. I wish you knew how I felt. At one point, I actually, I went to the DMV where that's where you become an organ donor in Canada. And I became an organ donor because I was actually preparing my body to die. preparing my body to give it to somebody else. And I remember looking at the lady and she was just she's like, Oh, you're doing such a good thing. And I was like, if you only knew, if you only knew. <laughs> but ever since that day on January 4th, 2019, <clears throat> I've been sober ever since. I've taken life coach three different life coaching courses, two speaking courses. I got my mental health first aid. I got Safe Talk. And next week, I'm going to take a psychological health and safety in the workplace course so I can enlighten people on how to deal with your mental health, but how to. Invited into the workplace where people feel more comfortable talking about it. Because one, one out of the eight people in the world has some sort of mental illness. You know, one out of five will struggle with a mental illness at some point in their life. But well, five out of five people have mental health. That means every single person on the planet has mental health. But they all have different coping mechanisms and different strategies on how to, how to, how to work with it. So it's very important that you be kind to everybody because you never know what that person is going through. So I want to be able to go in, not only tell my story, teach people things, but hey, this is how we can work on our mental health plan. But the biggest thing is, is that I am back together with the mother of my son. We welcome another baby girl and we are now married.
0: Wow. Wow, wow, wow. What a beautiful story. And what a beautiful! Oh, where to start for crying out loud? It's not a transformation. It's not the magic kind of Hollywood oh, going through um, a clear story arc. And then there is the night of the the darkness. Then you see the light, and you move on into the sunset. Bullshit. No, you are you have gone through. Many traumas. And as I love it how you described it with the game uh, Shame and Guilt that then came on top of traumas. Being your own worst critic. We are so good in that. Putting ourselves down. Being real assholes to ourselves. I would never, ever, ever speak to my worst enemy in the way I speak to myself. And that is still true up to this date. And it's just, oh, man. It is... Uh, and I could reflect in every single turn in your in your story. I was just lucky. I never had a DUI. Um, I was lucky that drugs did not play a role in my story. But otherwise, motivating factors, reasons why we drink, reasons why we escape our reality. Brother, we two could be twins. Okay. So, and and so well, many... Was, sorry, go on. Uh, no, ladies first. Nice. I like
1: how you did that. It's funny because you know what when I I share my story, but I'm just one of millions. There's nothing spectacular about my story. It's Mm. you know, I just fought through it, but there are millions of people that have the same story as me, Mm. like struggling with substance use and feeling like they're not worth it, Mm. searching for connection through substance. Right, it's funny. It's not well. It's it's that's how it it starts, right? And you become your own worst enemy by by continually doing that that same thing over and over, knowing that it's not going to be good. You know the outcome, but the the escape is worth the outcome.
0: And that is what so many people don't realize. People who have, who are not currently experience or I have not yet experienced the need to escape is that at that moment uh it is such a pain in our soul that that drink or that using or that behavior that we are not proud of that that is like like the be- most beautiful pressure release valve that you could imagine the pain suddenly stops, the pain suddenly changes, or maybe you change that the pain is still there. But you are now allowing yourself to focus on something else. You're allowing yourself to, to feel this dopamine rush that otherwise, you can't get in that moment. And it's so hard because and and again, I love it what you said, Justin, you you refer to the fact that we have uh, created this memory at a at one stage in our life, this, oh, my God, this feels good. And that's the most powerful memory. And it is deeply, deeply ingrained. So therefore, when times get hard, you know, what you have to do but nothing is as powerful in that moment as that memory that brings you back to oh can you remember when you had two glasses of wine and you feel your muscles relaxing and you feel everything else relaxing oh wouldn't that be nice now bidding okay there you are mm-hmm. oh, it's, man. Like, it's like Pablo pa dog yeah very true Very, very true.
1: I remember Um, sitting on the couch and I had a glass of wine beside me and I had drugs on the table. I just looked over. Big breath out. I was complete. It completed me.
0: (laughs) Or so I thought. (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. (laughs) So let me play let me play devil's advocate. Are you now escaping your reality by throwing yourself into uh the being a mental health advocate? are you are you now keeping yourself busy uh, because uh you again are running away from the reality?
1: No so now I actually am present. I me and my kid we practice hockey downstairs in in our basement here. I coach him in baseball, I coach him in hockey, I coach him in soccer. Now I get to do a lot more things than I ever thought I'd do. But I realized at the beginning, you know, the first, yeah, I still have, I'm a, I'm a life coach, transformational coach. One of my biggest fears is one-on-one conversations. One of my biggest fears is talking in front of people. I still have social anxiety. I still do, right? It's, it is what it is. I still have it. But I realized for the first two, three years of me being sober, you know, I was doing a lot to help people, a mm. lot, volunteering, but I wasn't getting out as much. You know, I didn't go to a party until mm. one year, almost one year after I quit, mm. and I went to a New Year's party. And I, st- I don't really go to parties anymore. You know, I'd rather be home with my family, but I was isolating in a different way. Mm. I was isolating by being around my family. If that makes sense to you, mm. because... I wouldn't go out with friends and you know people people need connection with with mm. other people right so now i started to, to you know go back and play hockey more you know golf golfing with my buddies not a lot but i was isolating after it took me a while to realize that you know, i was still kind of hiding after two three years into my uh sobriety
0: mm. And please, we need to highlight here that, yes, we have been a certain man, we have been a certain human, who had a certain set of connections. But when we're using and drinking, we often surround ourselves by with people that are using and drinking as well. On, on often enough, we find people who drink more than us. So therefore, we know deep inside, see, he is an alcoholic, but me no, I'm just a social kind of dude. Yeah, right. So uh, it is normal to go through a period of isolation. It is mm. it is nearly a a, a consequence of you uh, turning sober of you you changing your lifestyle. And you have to jettison a lot of so called friends, which probably never were, to be honest, um, they were drinking buddies. Or using bodies, or something like that, or people who just so happened to be um, in the same in the same group that you were in, often enough, codependent on you. Um, so that is the reality. So you have to go through a certain bit of isolation. Um, having said that, um, sooner or later, this isolation is is one of the worst things you can do. You're quite right. But having said that, I mean, there was COVID. Yeah, you are. You basically, you have four years and a bit uh, that you're sober. Great. Three years of which was COVID. Yeah. <laughs> hey. It's <was> so funny. <laughs> Great. find people. Yay. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. So
1: I got out of, I got started getting sober and it's like, okay, you're not allowed to hang out with people. Oh, right? almost, some people are complaining. I'm like, oh, you want me to go be alone? <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. That's, oh. that was easy for me oh. i was—I mean i still have my family but it was like okay don't go out go stay at home i'm like i've been doing this for 16 years
0: uh, oh, oh good good one good one i love that i love that uh, i mean
1: you know i i would go out if i drank right? yeah. I, even to go to a friend's house i would have half a mickey drank before i went there
0: yeah exactly Oh well that pre-loading is normal. Um I mean it, it well it's normal, is it? Um <laughs> <laughs> Alcoholics.
1: <laughs> it's, it's alcoholic uh, normal.
0: Well, also you you're not really swimming in money, are you? When you go out, the, the drinks depends on where you are. Uh, you can spend a pretty penny there um on on drink. So it's normal to actually get, you know, two free classes in. Um mm-hmm. and then hopefully not drive, but actually get driven or or use public transport. Um so the part of me accepts that somewhere, um, but at the same token, the sheer fact that you have to have a drink in order to be sociable, in order to be that person, in order to not feel the anxiety—I think that was always the, the the tricky one for me. It was like you—you ah you, oh, man, honestly, we could be twins uh, in the way you described your your youth. Um, for me, it was, um, I think, maybe two years earlier than your uh, parents divorced, um, uh, not getting so on well with my my stepfather and so on. There were so many parallels there. Um, how much they contributed to our mess? I'm not sure. How much is their genetic influence? Um, well, I'm pretty certain you have got up to 50 genes that are basically imprinted and make it a little bit more likely. Um, that that you are a sitting duck. Having said that, epigenetics is such an important issue. And the genetics means you have got a gene that makes you a bit more likely. Epigenetics is the kind of life juice that you now sprinkle over those genes. And some of them come out to play and some of them don't come out to play. So if you are basically um, putting a lot of bad nutrition in, and last time I looked as a bartender, uh, you have a drink and you sprinkle a bit of cheese on it and you call that dinner. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, hmm. <laughs> It's interesting that you migrated into that job. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> so you see, it is uh, we have got a whole raft of influences that set us up to either migrate towards mental health problems or pull us back towards a good mental health. And I love what you said. We all have mental health. Why don't we just look after it just as much as we have good physical health? And let's well, look after your mental
1: that. health is just as important as your physical health.
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And Hell
1: they're, yeah. they're 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 correlated, right? Absolutely. If you go out if you go out for a walk, you're releasing your happy chemicals, your reward chemicals like your serotonin your dopamine your endorphins mm-hmm. your oxytocin which helps you with your brain right I, working out i finally started working out probably about 10 years ago it's been like one of my best antidepressants because not only do i work out but i listen to audible books i listen to motivational speaking i listen to positive podcasts mm-hmm. and people like me what they did to get better you Now it's so important that you work on your mental health mm-hmm. and when i talk to sports teams so i talk about you want to be a great athlete you need to look after your mental health first. You can be a great physical specimen, but if your mental health ain't there, you're who knows where you're going to be. Like look at Jay Morant of uh, the NBA. He's been fined two or three times and suspended for, you know, waving guns around. He plays for the Memphis least, waving guns around in TikTok videos and now he's getting help for his mental health. Right? He, guys just he's an incredibly talented athlete but where's his thought process you know is his mental health okay so if you want to be a good athlete you want to be good successful in anything you can fake it for so long but eventually your mental health will catch up that's Mm -hmm. why you take care of your mental health so everything else can catch up right so it's very important people realize to take care of their mental health first right and that really starts with taking care of your self-care you know, you're just talking about the things you consume for your diet. So, you know, not only physically, but emotionally, the things you consume on the internet, the things you consume on the news, the things you read, the music you listen to. I used to listen to all these sad songs because they could relate to me. Right. Uh, and I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. Well, this guy knows what I'm feeling like, but then it's like, it kept me low. I mean, sometimes I still listen to those songs because they're good songs. And I like, I like how they explain their story. Now I listen to them in a different manner, Hmm. not how it relates to me. And I feel like that, but how they told it. Hmm. So it's, you got to consume intentionally the food you eat. Like I've had a hard time. I have to admit, I've had a hard time with sugar since I quit drinking. (laughs) I I go up and down.
0: In my rehab, there was chocolate for Africa and I bought these gummy snakes and I probably ate them for about a year. Pure sugar and 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 some chemicals in there. But that was the, the cross addictions. I jumped from alcohol straight over into the sugar. So welcome mm. to my world there. <laughs> well, you're looking for that dopamine replacement, right? Absolutely. <laughs> in all <laughs> fairness, uh, I think that was uh, probably... I was quite happy to trade those two addictions because it was easier, far easier for me later down to get to ditch the sugar um, than it was for me initially to get rid of the alcohol. Um, yeah, so that's for sure.
1: Sugar does. Is it's an emotional stealer. It's an energy stealer. Correct. You got to realize that 25% of the sugars you put into your body, go to your brain. Hmm. Hmm. So you hype up your like, brain, but it, it can make you irritable when it come, yeah. when you come down, dysregulate your emotions. So absolutely everything that you do, you should in- try to consume intentionally.
0: Oh hell yes, so, hell yes.
1: It's so there's you know you're working out. They call it time under tension, where you're going slow, you're working down to contract the muscles differently. Well, what if it's time under intention? The things that we do, <laughs> intentional eating, intentional yep. consuming.
0: Yep, 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 yep,
1: yep, yep. I'm not a pro at that,
0: I can tell you that. Oh, no. But
1: what but if we, we paid more attention to it?
0: No, you say a pro. You are very good in your sports because you have put the time in, the time to practice, the time to learn. The very first time you had a hockey stick in your hands, you probably had no idea which way, is, which way around to use it. But then after a time, you became really good at it. Can't you imagine that that the same applies to if you focus on your nutrition? And for mm-hmm. those guys out there who think, oh, "Come on, let's let's don't be silly here." Nutrition that is just fuel for me. Um, the reality is that no is what you put in there is truly medicine, and we we keep forgetting that, and we know that more and more. Um, give you an example up here: so about a kilogram and a half um, of brain tissue, of nerve tissue, in here in your gut is about a kilogram and a half of tissue of nervous tissue. So if you have got a gut feeling, that actually truly means something. So if there's so many nerves down there, then you have to say, hmm, why are they there? And they are there because they played your body plays together with all the bugs that are inside your your colon inside your gut. It's got a gut microbiome. And it's only nowadays in the last 5-10 years that we have realized, for example, that the feel-good hormones, the serotonin, um, that actually as much or probably even more of uh, the serotonin is produced down here in your gut than up there, but it's a neurochemical. So it is basically a a powerful motivator, a powerful feedback to you. Now, these books, they don't just say, oh, like, great, great. I want to learn how to do serotonin. Now, some of them are good, and they just do the, the right thing for you. Others are evil. And there's constantly this fight of good and bad happening in your gut. So you can either look after your gut, in which turn you're looking after your mental health, or mm-hmm. you can just eat shit fast food, a standard American diet, um, then that will completely mess around with your mental health. So that Mm -hmm. link is clearly there. But that is something where I think we can do so much and going out there and practicing it on ourselves and practicing on others. There was a beautiful study uh, about uh, Finnish uh, prisons where they basically changed the diet for a short period of time towards a Mediterranean food plan and the amount of violent incidents within that Finnish prison system went down like that within three days. Okay, three days of changing the nutrition. Now that is hardcore data. This is mm-hmm. showing, showing the consequence of you making one choice at a time and coming back to you. The intentional living is beautiful. Your why, the, the search for the why, I loved that. And you were saying why but you use it in as a sequence of whys to bring you down to a to the reason to a motivating reason. And I suggest we use the why in in another version. We say what is your why? Why do you want to become a better person? What is your why? What what is what could drive you that actually creates a new you? Who do you want to be when you grow up? Who is that person that is dormant, that is sleeping in there, that just, however, is knocking on on the actual from the inside and sort of wants to break out. So let's use the why to find that person, to create that person, to build that person. What What would you suggest are steps? that will help us to get to that point, to to become clearer about our whys in both meanings of, this, of the word?
1: That's a really good question. Well, you got to <laughs> ask yourself, for one, what, what's important to you? Who is important to you? You know, what 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 brings you joy? What brings you happiness? What do you love doing? You gotta answer a lot of different questions. So what brings you joy? What makes you happy? What do you love doing? Who brings you joy? Who makes you happy? Who do you love doing things for? You know, how can you make this world a better place? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we gotta, you know, your why should be you, but sometimes we gotta do things for other people. How can I serve other people. If the world was more built around helping other people, there'd be a lot less problems. So, what kind of gift do you have to offer the world? We all have gifts, whether it's built in us, whether it's learned, okay. we all have a gift. I never expected to be a speaker. I never expected to be a coach. I never expect never expected to be an author. I definitely didn't expect to be an addict or depressed or suicidal none of this I expected (laughs) those 16 years that I struggled led me to becoming I wouldn't change it for the world. So it's how can you turn your pain into purpose? Right? So what is your purpose? And it's, it's what makes you happy? Who makes you happy? What do you like doing? Who do you like doing it with? What brings you joy? Who brings you joy? What is your gift? And when you feel the lowest, what brings you up? Why do you get up in the morning? What's that first thought that comes to your head? Why do I need to get up today? Well, I need to pay bills. Okay, why do you need to pay bills? I need to pay bills because of my kids. Or I need to get up because I gotta to go to work. And then that helps me to, I don't know, maybe it build houses, then it puts roof over people's head, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of it is, is asking yourself self-discovery, thought-provoking questions. You know, so in my life, I ask myself tough questions. Justin, do you drink too much? Justin, are you an alcoholic? Justin, why are you depressed? Justin, why do you struggle with this? And it wasn't until I stopped avoiding the tough answers that I really start to make the changes I need to make. So asking yourself questions, but don't avoid the answer.
0: Ah, so true so true and maybe write them down uh mm-hmm. the power of journaling the power of you handwriting things down is so important and sometimes so, things come out of your fingers where i certainly had experiences where i was writing things and i became like an out-of-body experience where my fingers were writing and i was actually reading what i was writing i thought what the where is this coming from? And suddenly, your body is trying to help you. Your body is is trying to, to, or something in you, some energy in you, is trying to help you to come up with a new insight, a new lesson that you're about to learn, and that is beautiful. Might be hurt a little bit. The the new lesson when you have got some insight that is maybe not so nice and maybe you learn and remember that maybe it was not all outside of you not everyone else was had the thought everyone else is responsible for your problems but actually you get the realization that actually you were an idiot uh you were a dick <laughs> the way you mm-hmm. behaved uh, contributed hugely to the mess mm-hmm. that you ended up in that is all a win. That is all, um, it, sh- it, it, it it shouldn't drive shame and guilt back into you. It should give you uh, time to pause, time to reflect, time to say thank you for that, that new insight, and then the ability to put it aside and to forgive yourself because that person is no longer you. That person is typically you know, maybe many versions of you in the past, um, but it is what it is. We can we can make a difference. We can work every single day. We can work on us living intentional. Uh, we can we can focus on the here and now. We can make every moment. We have got a privilege of choice. We can make a difference right now in the way. We behave in the way what we eat in the way we rehydrate in the way tonight how we protect our sleep um, in the way that we intentionally have listened to someone else in a relationship the way that we intentionally set five or ten minutes aside every day to look at our finances these are all things that if you start living intentional you are creating such powerful habits it's it's mind-blowing what you can achieve. And just, in you're living proof. You're the man who is who is turning his life around, who has turned his life around. And and of course, we are all on 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 a path, quite a meandering path, quite chaotic path sometimes. Um, but we are on a path. So I can't wait to see where you are going and where who the new person who the new Justin will be in a year's time in five years time. Uh, So we need already to make a little appointment for in a year's time, follow up interview, check out hey what is happening to us. But that is the future. Uh, The future has not yet happened. The past is behind us. So that's cool. Having said that, sometimes it's good to look into the past. And you actually helped others to to learn about your past because you've written a book, you have written yeah. it. <laughs> Tell us about that.
1: Well, it's good to look to you. I look to my past, but don't get caught staring. <laughs> That's the thing, is you can look at your past, but don't get caught staring. Now, I wrote a book. It's like an autobiography. Huh. However, it's an autobiography chocked full of learning lessons. Mm. So it's broken up to during alcohol, after alcohol, and then learning lessons. So I talk about my story of going through you know mental health issues substance use issues to life after alcohol to you know to another part is learning lessons talking about changing you know your internal dialogue your support network you know human needs stuff like that so it takes you through a whole journey and at the end of every chapter there's questions you can answer you can ask yourself if you feel like doing them i suggest Hmm. you do it it You don't have to struggle with your mental health. You don't have to struggle with substance use to read the book. Yeah, You could just want to be better at life. Just want to do more personal growth, more Mm -hmm. development. You want to learn more about yourself. That book will do it. It's everything I've learned from rehab, from counseling, from personal development courses, from three different life courses, life coaching courses. All into one book, so people can open up their mind to what's possible, what may be standing in their way. You know, there's five important questions that I put at the beginning of the book and at the end of the book. It's what do you need to start doing, what do you need to stop doing, what do you need to continue doing, what do you need to do more of, and what do you need to do less of right now, and then the book ends with those same five questions because i want to know if they if someone ever emails me and tells me i want to know or i want them to know or see do their answers change at the end of that book this was important to me or i thought it was important to me but actually in order to get there i need to do this first i need to do more of self-care first mm. i need to do less of consuming the news i need to do less on social media mm. i need to do less of hanging out with this person i need to do less eating out i want to know if it changes because once you read if you answer the beginning there's a big chance that throughout the book you're gonna get some self-realizations that and at the end of the book you would be like oh well actually i should probably do this first right <laughs> that can get my attention later
0: absolutely what is the name of the book and how can we get it
1: it's called chasing shadows fighting the monster within you can get it on amazon barnes and noble indigo chapters kindle e-reader word smash pretty much (laughs) anywhere you want you can get it from
0: indeed uh cool guys look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast because you're going to get a link down there to uh to Justin's website um to um his uh to the social media of him and of course to his book because you know it's, we are here to make this world a better place and we are doing so by by living authentically and um uh, showing a degree of humility um being being our our best versions of ourselves, or at least trying to be. Uh, we never succeed 100%. But the more I succeed, the happier I am. And uh, it is like 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 nowadays I'm, I'm addicted to the light, no longer addicted to the darkness. And that is a really nice addiction to have. So I think I will always be an addict. I will always work too hard. I will always be tempted by things that give me a quick dopamine rush or a serotonin rain. Um, it's all quite pretty. But uh, yeah, that, that will be always my weak spot. But mm. um, I'm aware of it. And that makes me stronger. So it is what it is. We can't change life. I can't change the way I tick. But I can, can every second make choices that pull me away from the abyss, that pull me away from the very dark faults that sometimes can be there. So guys, don't don't be upset that they are there. Just learn about them, accept them and take them as messages from your body, that maybe you need to do a little bit more work on yourself, maybe to take a break, to rehydrate, connect with nature, have a love, um, uh, you know, focus on something positive. And whilst I admit at the moment, it's a bit difficult to find positivity out there. That's only because we're looking in the wrong places. I don't think you will find too much positivity in either the political systems or your daily news or uh, in many of the social media you're probably frequenting. But how would it be to actually, you know, talk or learn more, listen more to podcasts that maybe... Are lifting you a bit up, like this one here, where you see the two numbnuts get their shit together and actually, you know, go out there and are honest. Would that not be cool to learn more? Or whatever t- makes you tick, cultivate that. Cultivate the joy. Cultivate the, the passion within you. We have got the choice to do that. Every single second you can make choices. It's a privilege you have. And don't let that be taken away by outside influences or by maybe your own bad choices. No, live right now, live in the moment and you have choices, make them, choose them. And you have already taken action because you have listened to this whole interview up till now. I congratulate you. I commend you. That's fantastic. So now... (laughs) go down there if you haven't already like and subscribe check out Justin's links in the description down there check him out click him up and 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 just you know do take action and who knows very soon your life might be quite different and for that if that happens I would be so so glad for you Justin you're an amazing man Thank you so much for coming onto to my show. This was a a blast of an interview. Uh, in actual fact, I didn't need to ask many questions because you have been beautifully uh, just talking us through the story of your life. And there were so many lessons in there. I'm very grateful that you allowed me to reflect on them, and you already made my life a bit a bit better today, because I you allowed me to reflect. You allowed me to stop, live in the moment, think, feel, and now uh, I'm encouraged to make probably better choices today than had I not connected with you. So connection is truly the opposite to addiction. No two ways around that.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, thank you for having me so much. It's been a blast being on here. <laughs> cool. You know we're we're not we're not all that different no one really is all that different if we all have one goal of trying to help others we don't have to be that different
0: I love it I love it just then look after yourself and you guys out there live with passion bye
1: <laughs> see you later everybody I never give up I never give up I never give up turn around.